there was this idea that just wormed its way into my brain and I couldn't yeah. I couldn't not do it. For me there are times where I have to I have to force myself to sort of turn around and go actually we've achieved quite a lot. You know, you don't sit there patting yourself on the back all yeah. day long like that's that's not how I'm built. The way that I'm built is what's the next thing? Okay, and what's the next thing? And my team are always telling me off for like not being good enough at celebrating the wins because <laughs> for my mind the win has already happened and it's just like okay great well we finally ticked that yes <laughs> next next thing <laughs> if you're not feeling a bit frightened then you're probably not pushing yourself very far out of your comfort zone so for me if I'm not getting those moments then I start to actually feel a bit antsy welcome to the seize the yay podcast Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Welcome back, beautiful people. I hope you're all keeping safe and well and getting through ISO. I've got another episode that was recorded before things ramped up. So again, I hope it gives you a lovely little break from these crazy times. I've heard this story so many times, but it never gets old. I literally met Kate when I fangirled all over her way back at a women's event before I'd even graduated. I never imagined I would ultimately go into business and get to speak alongside her or chat with her on a podcast. But that's just another example of how things might not always end up how you expect them. They often end up better. Kate started her online store, Adore Beauty, pretty much before e-commerce was even a word, back in 1999 at just 21 years old, after working the Clarence counter at a department store and getting frustrated with how intimidating the beauty experience was. She's now grown Adore from a garage in Murrumbina to a hugely successful multi-million dollar beauty destination with over 20 years in business under her belt. She is an expert in resilience and constant innovation with Estee Lauder saying no for 14 years before she locked them in and she continues to blaze a trail in the beauty industry. She tells it straight and I absolutely love her for it. Introducing Kate Morris. So it is an absolute honour to be here with Kate in the Adore Beauty offices today, not least because of the journey we have had together. I met Kate before business was even a blip on my radar. I think I was even, was I at school? No, was I at uni still? No, no, no. I don't think you were. I think you were kind of like just at the start of of getting your ideas about doing stuff. Right. But it was literally pre any idea that it could happen in real life. And you were the very first speaker that I'd ever heard at a League of Extraordinary Women event. I remember that. And I, if no one believes me when I say I fangirl hysterically, but Kate's probably the best example of the fact <laughs> that I did. <laughs> you totally did. It was awesome. <laughs> and I didn't even have a plan then. I was just like, oh, my God, I think everything you're doing is amazing. I'm about to go into a completely different career, but it still sounds really cool. And but I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> I was so enthusiastic. That's great. <laughs> and then years and years later, I think I once got to be on a panel with you or something and I died. 
was yeah. like, this is the woman from that time. There and you I go. Just was like, I still am like, oh my god, it's Kate. Well, the universe sends you sends you things, doesn't it? It sends you those little moments sometimes to go, hey, you know, you did something. Yeah, yeah. And even more special to be able to sit down with you today. Oh, the honour is all mine. <laughs> so before we get started, the first question I start every podcast with is what the most down-to-earth thing is about you? See, I really had trouble with this one because I feel like most things about me are pretty yeah. down-to-earth, but I tried to I tried to pick one out and I decided it was, you know, those, um, how you read those sort of like schedules of people who are like super hardcore morning people and they're like, you know, wake up at 4.45 and, and then they meditate and <laughs> And they do like the gym and I just, I'm not that person like at all. I'm not a morning person. I really don't like getting up before 7am. I'm just like not a hardcore, you know, Routine. triathlete, like super focused, <laughs> high performance. But I'm just, I'm just not that person. I love that so much about you though. Like I just have to scrape myself out of bed at 7am and like <laughs> my kids know that they're just not really going to get anything functional out of me until I've at least had a coffee. So that's amazing. I love that so much. <laughs> and I think I love that the very first time I, I heard you speak was because you do expect, you know, you've had such a, an amazing business story and particularly in beauty, which is a very glossy industry. Sure. You yeah. totally expect that you're going to be this glossy Vogue person walking, which right. you appear as you walk on the stage and then you start talking and you're like, hey, guys, oh, so look, that you, ain't me. You can you can take the girl out of Launceston, but you can't take the Launceston right. out of the girls. <laughs> Perfect place to start back in Lonnie. Nick yeah. is actually from Devonport, so I know Launceston very well. Okay. Your way, TA, which is how you got to where you are today and revealing the fact that it's never, ever an overnight success. It's always a lifetime in the making. So yeah. let's go all the way back to Lonnie. Sure, sure. What was young Kate like? What did you? What were your, you know, weird tendencies? Oh, and... Total dork. Wow. Like just massive super nerd. They used to call me in primary school the walk encyclopedia because, no. uh, you know, yeah, because I used like to. Like Like one time I, I corrected a teacher's spelling and written something on the blackboard and it was wrong and I'm like, actually, no, it's this. And it, yeah, anyway. <laughs> you never um, lived it down. I never lived it down. <laughs> and my only hope was actually to just start a completely different school in high school where I was like, okay, no one's going to know about any of this. It's a fresh start. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get my straight A's and not tell anybody um one is a small place though look it you know when you when you're 12 it's it's okay it's yeah. still it's yeah. it's big enough what can I tell you um loved music Hi. so my first cassettes were smash hits 87 no. um and ice house big fan of Kylie Minogue had Great. her all over my wall what else can I tell you no good at sport like just Rubbish. Yeah. Just rubbish. I was the unco kid that comes last <laughs> in I all love the races. This picture. You're painting um, a great picture here. <laughs> such a nerd. And um, I liked, like, I liked, you know, music and drama. And, you know, I was in all the school plays, except I sort of I wasn't pretty enough to get like the leading lady parts. Oh. And so they would give me like all the character parts. So I was usually playing like, you know, 
a French butler with a moustache or I was like... Um, Character building. Right. I was uh, the Artful Dodger in our school production of Oliver. Nice. So who is supposed to be like a 12-year-old boy. Oh. Um, this is when I was a 16-year-old girl, so it's flattering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if anything will make you down to earth, it's Oh, <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, what did you um, want to be? Did you have any vision of what that nerdiness would actually translate into? Uh, well, I was the editor of the school yearbook. Of course you were. Um, so I was going to be either a journalist or a lawyer. Ooh. I busted my guts to get into law. I wanted to go to Melbourne to, to do my degree. I couldn't. To the mainland. <laughs> to the mainland. I was going to go to the mainland. And so I had to, I had to get a big score. And so I really, all my friends were stuffing about at the end of year 12. And it was just me with my nose in a book. Um, for a change, it yeah, sounds. <laughs> that's right, for a change. Uh, and, um, yeah, busted my guts, got into Monash, studied law for a whole week and just went, oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I got there too. It took me a little longer. Right. Bit slow on the uptake. But I love that you straight away were like, no. No. Wow. Yep. So you did make it to the mainland, which is amazing. I did. Big transition, I can imagine, coming to Melbourne. Yeah. And ended up, after you stopped law, doing business management. Yes. What did you think that would then, now the lawyer dreams were all completely shattered, <laughs> before a door became, you know, everything from 99 onwards, what did you think would come next? I thought I was going to be a some sort of hotshot businesswoman and go and end up working for, you know, one of the big four or something like that. Right. And, um, you know, and I was going to wear suits and go and work in the city. <laughs> And I ended smoke. up, I ended up like in my pajamas in my garage. So, um, yeah, all my dreams came true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you could wear a suit into your garage if sure. you really wanted to. Except I couldn't afford one. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I love that you actually started work pretty much like you know a lot of people that end up in business. We were just all so eager to just start working and make our bones. And yeah, you had your first job at fifteen. Junior in the local pharmacy, yeah. Money. yeah. And then I hear you actually got fired Twice. from two of the four jobs that you ever had. Correct. It's a 50% strike rate. Which is yeah. great. <laughs> I mean, talk us through that. Yeah. And how you ultimately figured out that employment was not your jam. Well, I think, and look, and looking back on it now, I think, you know, these are all sort of good indicators of an entrepreneurial mindset. But at the time, <laughs> I was like, why is the world against me? I think... One of the things that entrepreneurs are not good at is tolerating things that don't make sense or dumb ways of, of doing things. Mm. And so for me, I was I would just, you know, if someone told me how to do something, if that didn't make any sense to me, I'd be like, oh, well, why are we doing it this way? Why can't we do it this way? <laughs> I'm not doing and that. And <laughs> it turns out, oh, that's right, I'm not doing it that way. No, I don't think that's right. And it turns out that, yeah, in a lot of um, organisational cultures, it doesn't go down very well. If yeah, bosses don't you know, love that. If you're an 18-year-old girl who is supposed to not know anything, you're supposed to just shut up and turn up to work and just do as you're told. And I just, I'm just never been really good at doing as I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that that's part of what made you realise that, you know, it was more kind of a process of elimination, realising Sure, that, uh, that's right. There's nothing else. Self-elimination. <laughs> yeah. And... We were just talking before we started recording about the fact that it does take a lot of people a little bit longer to kind of realise or learn enough about the world or build enough confidence or whatever it may be to make the jump into their entrepreneurial life. But I mm. love that for you it, it 
was very early and has literally been most of your career since 1999. Yeah, and, and not, it wasn't an expected thing. Um, so I'm not from that kind of – I mean, you hear a lot of entrepreneurs are like, oh, yes, I'm from this entrepreneurial family and mm. I'd started five businesses by the time I was 12. And Lemonade stand, blah, blah, blah. Right, that's it, you know, all of that. That wasn't, that wasn't me. It was more just there was this idea that just wormed its way into my brain and I couldn't – like I couldn't not. Yeah. I couldn't not do it. I was, I was just going to annoy the hell out of everybody I knew until until I did it. So that was that was just kind of how it happened. And That's I did, I, you know, very conscious that I sort of had no idea what I was doing. But um, naivety is the best. Well, I think would it was you kind start of otherwise? I don't think that you would. <laughs> I think that if you knew all of it, then maybe maybe you'd just be like, oh, no. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, that's why I kind of think I'm so glad for a lot of us that it does happen in that accidental, haphazard way. Otherwise, right. we never would start because you don't even no, think it too much. No, that's it. And then by the time, you know, and then and then you're kind of addicted by then, aren't you? Like yeah. by the time you realise, like, you can't. And you've told you know, everyone too, uh, no. and you've invested and you've left your job and, you, and you've got fired that's by right. then. <laughs> It's actually happening whether you like it or not. So you may as well make it work. Yeah. So you were part-time on the Clarence counter in That's a department right. store, mm-hmm. which obviously exposed you to the beauty industry and the experiences that women were going through, you know, back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Tell us about how that idea initially spawned and then how you decided I'm actually going to do something with it. So it was, I was very much aware that I loved beauty. I thought it was super fun. I, you know, my favourite thing was kind of, you know, having been a dork all my life to be able to transform myself <laughs> into something else. And for me, that was that was really cool. And because I was kind of part of that world, it, it didn't frighten me. But so many people just found it so intimidating and overwhelming and mm. just this sort of horrible kind of gauntlet that you had to run just to be able to you know look after your face and I think everybody found was kind of resentful of the process of having to go into a department store and I thought well that's just that's a bit sad because I felt like they were all missing out Mm. you know I think beauty when you like when you do it right should be about like taking time for yourself and and using it to feel great and like the best version of yourself or like the particular version of yourself that you want to be that particular day, like is today a red lipstick day or is it not? Um, And it was just, it was just sad to me that it wasn't. And for me, it was like, well, obviously someone's going to do something online for beauty. Like that was just, I was, and so I was like, okay, great. Well, that'll be really good. And I was like sort of sitting there with popcorn waiting for someone to (laughs) do it and then nobody was doing it. And then, and it was actually, um, it was actually my boyfriend at the time. So he lived the other side of town. And so we used to do all these sort of long drives over the Westgate bridge. And um, one day he just sort of, I was crapping on about this idea again. And again, he just sort of looked at me and goes like, well, you know, you're going to do this or what? Oh, and that's, you know, that was like, I really, I really never thought about it. And so that was when I thought, okay, well, how, how much money would we need to get started and what would that look like and how would I go about even doing that and and you know not you couldn't even sort of google that stuff back then so I was like borrowing books out of the library oh my god like all those for dummies books um so this is why your story is even more impressive because it's stone age because yeah. it's yellow pages time <laughs> it was yellow like, pages time you literally you couldn't go on wix there was no google even to figure no, out how to start no a business shopify that you can just kind of you know plug and play there just wasn't any of that was e-commerce a word um 
I think so, but only but just. just. Like, yeah. I can't, oh, mate, I, every time I hear this story, and I've heard it so many times, and it never gets old for me because you literally had to build it from nothing. Yeah. In a very, very <laughs> different climate, and you've made it survive. So, yeah. what came next? Was it a website? Like, how did you even know how to? build a store didn't know um so for that yes partly yellow pages but partly um there used to be like the green guide in the age where oh, yes. do you remember that I that they do. where they used to have all the technology stuff in there and people used to put ads in there and um you yep. literally called an ad person yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um so just went and basically talked to a whole bunch of people that built because you could get a website built back then but to get a built a website that had shopping on it that was like a whole different next level thing. And so I had to just try and find somebody that said, yeah, we could do that. And it cost, I think, about $8,000. And it was, yeah, pretty much pretty the basic. stone tablet of websites. <laughs> like MS-DOS oh, kind of vibes. Oh, it was so ugly. <laughs> yeah, it was really gross. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but it, it, it worked. Did the job. It did the job. And I had to try and buy some stock. Um, like to buy some products to put on it. And so I approached all the big brands who just mostly mostly ignored me or told me to nick off. And, um, yeah, so that was that was actually the more challenging part, like getting the website built. Okay, well, that was just a bunch of, you know, ringing around people and paying someone money and hassling them when it was late. But, yeah, getting the brands on board was the harder bit. And that is the coolest part, I think, because there are so many pretty woman moments in your journey of having <laughs> big mistake. Yeah. Having had to really chase brands to get on board yeah. years and years and years before they realised how much that was actually the future and then yeah. have them knocking on your door again years later must have been so satisfying. Look, <laughs> only in the sense that, I mean, I guess I I learned very early on to separate you know, rejection from any personal feelings. Yes. And so it's not that whole, I guess I didn't get the whole sense of, yeah, you know, suffering your jocks, you're coming to me now. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was just like, oh, finally. You yeah. Because everybody get it. Everybody says yes eventually. Yeah. That's you just got to be my motto for quite some time now. Yeah. I, mean, I read that <laughs> Estee Lauder said no for 14 years. 14 years. That's, am- that is, per- <laughs> that is persistence. Yeah, I, I love guess, that you're yeah. like, I'm, I'm still, I'm, you'll say yes. I'll, I'll get you there. Don't, yeah. don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just really stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So you started with $12,000 mm-hmm. borrowed from your then boyfriend, now husband, thank goodnesses. Well, we're father. not actually married. Married, but yes. Oh, now partner. <laughs> but still everybody calls picture. him my husband, and every time, every time that happens, his mother freaks out and says, "You know, when did there, you get married? Did you get married and not invite me?" No. no. I think it's more <laughs> just confirming that it's yes. the same person. It's the same guy. Yeah. Yes. So off his dad. Yes. To actually make the business happen, and then you started with two stockers. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Two brands. Yeah. And the rest was what? Just calling around and pitching this vision that no one yep. really understood. Calling. Faxing, mostly not faxing. I faxed. (laughs) I know. I know. I faxed. To make it, there were no carrier pigeons, but you know, just smoke signals. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have to get to your beauty regime because your skin does not look like you were faxing. (laughs) Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Uh, So you finished the last eight units of your degree by distance, so you could do the business. So it obviously took off at some point. Yeah. What was that next growth phase of 
especially as such a young person, figuring yeah. out an industry that didn't exist really. Yeah. What happened next? Like what was that journey? Um, so, look, it was never it was never sort of one of those moments where it was like, oh, my God, you know, it's overnight success. I woke up and I had thousands of orders. That never happened. Yeah. Never happened. There was a Murrumbina garage for a there while. There was. It was quite – yeah, it was quite a while. So, you know, in the garage for a couple of years and then, you know, managed to graduate to a spare bedroom and <gasps> – Inside the house. (laughs) Fancy. Um, You made it. So that was nice. It was less cold anyway. Uh, And then I think uh, commercial premises after four years. Yeah. So I actually, um, we got um, commercial premises with a a very small store on on Nicholson Street in North Carlton in 2004. Um, just to just to actually kind of make it easier to get brands because so many of them just couldn't get their heads around the idea that no we were yeah. we were just an online store and they're like oh well, unless you have a physical shop we can't supply you so I was like all right well <laughs> no one's have to put come the stock in, somewhere but... <laughs> so <laughs> sure here's my physical shop um, which you know which was useful for for you know six or seven years um, wow you were there in that premises for seven years yes but we wow. after a couple of years we took the shop next door and then after another couple of years we took the shop next door to that. So we sort of expanded. <laughs> Just took the street. We expanded twice more in that location. Um, then, yeah, moved to our first kind of proper warehouse and then doubled the size of that. And then I think we've, yeah, we've moved kind of every couple of years. Oh, my god! Since then, yeah. That is, and it's been, what, over, over 20 years? 20 years. It's 20 years this year. Oh, Oh yeah. my gosh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I think the pain point of like most businesses dying off is like within five. Yeah. And to have 400% smashed that out of the park. Yeah, no, we, we stuck it out. We stuck it out. Is 400% yeah. the right number? Did I just make that up? Anyway, it's some yeah. kind of great percentage. Sure. I'm like, where did I get that from? It would be more than that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't even know where but that it's came still from. Pretty small. Yeah. yeah. I'm such a bad Asian for maths. <laughs> So one of the things I think uh, that's changed a lot for me in the past few years and I think is increasingly changing in society is the feeling or the metrics that we use to value our success or when we kind of think I've made it or this is actually going well. And when you're in it, it's very hard to ever get there. But I also think in 20 years you have to have some marker or milestone that has made you feel like it's worth keeping going and that's, you know, validated that. I'm not in a garage anymore. I've actually yeah. made this into a thing. Customers yeah. who aren't my family are buying yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And look, I think there were lots of lots of little moments like that along the way. Like the first time, the first time you get in a magazine. Yeah. <sighs> Is it on and your you cut it out? And no, I'm pretty sure I've actually I've still got one of those like display folders with the plastic pockets that has like all the cutouts <gasps> oh. in. I'm sure that's around somewhere. Um, so you know, it's the first time you get in a magazine, or it's. Um, uh, what else is it? You know, the f- I mean, the first time you get to employ, like, have an actual staff member, yeah. <laughs> and you realise that you don't have to pack all the orders yourself anymore. Um, I mean, there's a million tiny things. It's you know what, and one of the, one of the really weird ones is when we were um, we were in like our sort of third warehouse, third or fourth warehouse maybe, um, and I was sitting there at my desk, and one day there was a fire drill. And someone, you know, in the fire warden's hat came past and, you know, honking an air horn going, <laughs> right, it's a fire drill, everybody needs to. You know, I was like, wow. Well, like, this legit. is like a legit business. <laughs> 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 we have fire drills and I did not know about them and I did not make this happen. 
Um, like when that sort of stuff happens, those are actually the really cool bits. Yeah. Um, like, you know, when our podcast, when our podcast launched last year, that was for me actually one of the really super cool moments that something like that happened. I had nothing to do with it. Wow. <laughs> nothing yeah. to do with it. People it, like, oh, how did you, you know, go, I, I didn't. Oh, well, I'll scratch that question off the list. <laughs> <laughs> and it went straight to the top of the chart. It did. And it's still on the charts. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. But, I, yeah, that must be so surreal when you're like, this is like a living, breathing organism without me. It's a living, organism breathing without thing. Me. This is bigger than me. And and that's, like, that's really cool. What were your, like, in your most, in your wildest, wildest dreams, how big could it have been and how long ago was that? Mm. Like 18 years ago? The trouble is, I mean, honestly, I remember, so in 2011, 2010, 2011, I did this this sort of 10-year vision um, of it being a $20 million business and we smashed that in four years. I was going to say, like over, <laughs> it's like hundreds now. Yeah, hundreds yeah, yeah exactly. It's so insane. I guess, but I guess also too, um, I had that kind of mindset where it's like, all right, well, you're always looking at the horizon and it doesn't matter how far you go, then the horizon is still there and it's still a long way out in front. And so it's, for me, there are times where I have to, I have to force myself to sort of turn around and go, actually, we've achieved quite a lot. Oh, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I don't, I don't, you know, you don't sit there patting yourself on the back all yeah. day long. Like that's, that's not, that's not how I'm built. Yeah. My my the way that I'm built is what's the next thing? Okay, and what's the next thing? And um and my team are always telling me off for like not being good enough at celebrating, celebrating the wins <laughs> because for my mind the win has already happened and it's just like, okay, great, well we finally tick that. Yes. Off. Next next thing. <laughs> so yeah, which is which is look, it's a recipe for success. It might not be a recipe for happiness, but um <laughs> We know they're not the same thing, but sometimes well, they can be. Know, yeah, maybe linked. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say have been kind of the chapters? Because, I mean, there really haven't been that many business people on the podcast at all who have had a chapter that's lasted this long. Right. <laughs> and I think it's a it's a really admirable thing to be able to pivot within one job. Sure. To be able to make a business survive that long, keep it current, but evolve with the industry has evolved faster than I think anyone yeah. has ever seen in, in yeah. history. Yeah, yeah. What have been your biggest chapters, including yeah. like taking on investors, buying all the shares back? Sure. Uh, in growth, like for anyone who's starting kind of at the you know more beginning phase from a nuts and bolts perspective in terms of hiring, changing venues and all of those growth, you know, pain yeah. points and uh, yeah. know, adjustments, like yeah. what have been the big moments and pivots for you? Yeah, look... I mean, there's there's been lots, and it depends how you want to measure it. But um, I mean, I think you you definitely go through that phase at the start where you're just trying to do everything yourself. Um, I think there's a new chapter starts when you start trying to sort of scale that up by adding people into the business and going right. Well, what what do I hire for next, and mm-hmm. how do I kind of build this out and try and make this work? And then you end up with a small team, and you're like a family, and it's lovely. And then it gets to the size where it's you know where it's actually it becomes a business that needs 
procedures and oh, you know what <laughs> I know and you know I'm, like, and, I'm not there yet obviously um, <laughs> you know it needs procedures and policies and uh, you know all of that kind of stuff I think that's that's a big change and and um, that probably coincided with um, the investment that we took from Woolies yeah. uh, you know I mean we, we had to start getting audited then like a, you know a lot of um, I just guess sort of rigor and governance came in around what we needed to do in the business. I think yeah. that's a natural kind of stage of growing up. You know, you kind of go from gangly teenager to go, okay, right, <laughs> yeah. we need to be grown-ups now. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> that's not why I started this no. business. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's a, that's a necessary thing. Um, I think, I think for, you know, in, in terms of what we what we meant to, to customers, I think at a certain point in the last in the last couple of years, and that sort of culminated in the recent investment from Quadrant, was um, the evolution into becoming not just a store where you could go and just buy the stuff that you usually get and, you know, get free shipping and whatnot, but more a source of knowledge and information mm-hmm. um, and that rather than sort of relying on influences that we're becoming a source of influence. Yeah. Um, so, you know, much more of a, you know, almost almost like a media business with retail as well. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the, the quadrant investment and then I guess it's there's a there's another new chapter now. So we get to go we get to go next level again. That's a sixty percent stake they took as well. They did. Was that is that the biggest that yes. you've ever sold off? Yes. What does it feel like? Much the same actually. Really? Yeah. Um I think I think the 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 mental challenge for me actually happened when we sold twenty five percent to Woolworths. Really? Um, yeah. That oh, was and then once you've done that, because you've once you've done that, you kind of broken that barrier because it's it's the point because when you start something, you know, it's like your baby, mm. um, you know, and it's so much a part of you and it's so much an expression of you. And then to have someone else involved in it and having to report to somebody else and like having a board and all of that was just like. <laughs> Whoa, I left that, this when I was 19. That <laughs> that messed with my head for, yeah. for a few months after that. But then once – because you realise that, oh, actually the business and I are separate yeah. um, and our needs might be different and they, you know, and our paths may diverge at some point and that's like that's a weird thing to get your head around. Yeah, it's gosh. kind of like a kid growing up and leaving home. You know? Oh, yeah, wait. You, you know, you're just me? like, what? what? Why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Um, you can't drive a car by yourself, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so that was, yeah, but that, but that head spin happened for me with the, with the Woolies deal. So the quadrant yeah. thing was actually not that much. Um, it hasn't been that much of a challenge to get my head around that. Well, it's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, I think investment is a way of really expanding your skill set and resources and capacities beyond yourself and what you can manage alone. For sure. But I think one of the other things that people struggle with in the early years of business is how to get that information without an investor. Like, have you had mentors? What kind of resources have you used? Not having done an MBA, you know, gone and do, done an MBA. Are there courses yeah. that you've done? Like, where do you supplement your knowledge as you go through each phase? And do those people change? Like, your trusted sources? Yeah. Has it always been a board or has it been no. informal? It's always in the past has been fairly informal. Um and just mainly, and I never sort of thought of it as, you know, going and getting mentoring. It was more just, I have a problem. Who do I know that might know something about that? And I sort of made a conscious decision, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago that it was like, okay, I really need to spend 
more time and effort on building up our networks mm. because, you know, I recognise that there are these knowledge gaps and it's just, okay, right, well, unless I can fill those gaps, we're not going to make it. So i got to get out there mm. and meet people and, you know, and extend kind of the brain's trust. So rather than sort of necessarily having kind of like a formal mentoring arrangement, it was more, okay, who are some people that I could ask these things? And I found generally that, you know, People are quite responsive. People are pretty responsive. If yeah. you can be, you know, it's, it's, I never got the thing and, and, and look, I, I do get a little bit of it now where people are like, oh, you know, will you be my mentor? And it's like, yeah, it's not the right question. The question is, you know, here's my problem. I figured you might know something about that having done X, Y, Z, you know, could you, can I buy, can I just buy you a coffee and, and ask you about this for 20 minutes? And that's a, that's a much better question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so that's, and that was kind of, that was always my approach. Mm, um, I love that you said that because I think I, even I've been getting a lot of questions about mentors and I think it's because people want to have that structure of like, there's one person who is my safety net and who I ask all the questions that I yeah. don't know. But the brain's trust approach is a more likely to get you results because individual people need less of a time commitment right to answer your questions but also because then you get a variety rather than just one person well that's right and you have different challenges and different people have expertise in different areas Mm. um and there's no you know I don't think any one person could be everything to anybody yeah (laughs) which is a shame because it would be a lot easier wouldn't it if you could just have this fairy godmother (laughs) (laughs) tell me the answers yeah yeah so before we move to the next section what are you really excited about in this new decade in terms of the way the industry at large is going but also what you guys are doing you've got the sex range that we've been talking about that's been going really well yeah didn't even know it existed would love to hear more at New Zealand you'd launched into the podcast yeah what else are you excited about oh um (laughs) look the thing I'm excited about at the moment is and what seems to be really resonating with our customer base as well is the idea of kind of turning the motivations of the beauty industry on its head a little bit um, because I think the way that it always used to be or at least when I was kind of back in the Clarence days was that it was like okay let's sell women beauty products by making them feel bad about themselves (laughs) by showing them this unattainable airbrushed you know extraordinary version of beauty and you will Mm. feel bad enough about comparing yourself with that (laughs) that you'll go and buy anti-wrinkle cream and I just I just you know I hate that that's not that's not what it ever was Mm. for me um and what I'm really enjoying at the moment is the idea that we can we can say well actually, why don't we just make you feel good about yourself first? And then as far as beauty goes, like whatever you enjoy doing, like what, what makes you happy? I know for me, like I love the, the 10 minutes that I spend on doing my skincare at the end of the day. That's time that's just for me. Mm. And it's, it's just a little, it's the ritual that I like. Um, I mean, I you know like the results of it too obviously you know I like getting <laughs> yeah. up in the morning and going oh great I don't look like I you know haven't slept in a millennium um <laughs> which I'm sure you probably haven't sure that's fine <laughs> um but you know the the whole idea that we could we could kind of shake that up and a bit and just be a bit more relatable about mm. the whole thing and can we just make people feel normal because everybody's just normal and that's actually cool too like it's not like you have to be some sort of aspirational version of of glamour to enjoy this stuff like I get so many people saying to me you know I've never I've never worn eyeshadow do you think I should wear eyeshadow I'm like well do you want to wear eyeshadow (laughs) 
Because if you don't Does want it make to, you feel good? like <laughs> if you like if you want to, like yeah, cool. You know, I'll show you how to do that. But like, you don't. There's no. There's no have to about yeah. any of this. Um, we did. Uh, you know, and the podcast is a really big part of that. Like we actually surveyed um, a whole bunch of our podcast listeners, and seventy percent of them said that they feel more confident now to not wear makeup after That's listening awesome. to our podcast. I'm like, <laughs> as a beauty podcast, Great. to me that feels like winning. I mean, I know we sell makeup, but you know, I want it to be a thing that people, you know, you should wear it when you feel like it, not because you don't feel confident enough to let people see you. Yeah. And now all these women are, are willing to let themselves be seen. And I think that's just, I mean, to me, that just gives me goosebumps. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, look, launching into New Zealand is exciting. We've only been there for, what, eight months now and our friends across the ditch are just loving it and have embraced <laughs> so us straight away, up. which is fantastic. I love that um, you could get the trademark. Adore is like, you know... <laughs> My legal brain is like, yeah, yeah, amazing. <laughs> well, we've actually, I mean, we did, we always, you know, shipped internationally kind of yeah. from from day dot and then it got to the point where we were just too big to sort of scale writing out customs forms and so we you got oh. to the point where it was like just the growth in Australia was just like drinking from the fire hose. We actually had to scale it back until we could kind of automate everything and, and get mm. it all going properly. So, um, so we actually had a big prior history of trading there but um so New Zealand is great the sex category is super exciting um it was something I was really I was actually super nervous about before we did it going oh <laughs> what are they gonna, gonna blow say? up in my face what are people gonna say um but I think we we put a lot of work into you know into our research and into our planning and to making sure that we did it right and that people would understand what we were trying to do and how we were trying to do it. You know, it's not about trying to be, you know, sort of sorted or, or you know, trashy or mm. anything like or that. Controversial. controversial. Like we're not doing it for controversy. It was more that this category deserves to be mainstream. Um, we feel that, you know, beauty has that, like for us, beauty has always been about self-care. Mm. Um, it's not necessarily about physical appearance and there's plenty of categories of so i mean fragrance for instance fragrance isn't a beauty product yeah it change your appearance at all but changes how you feel yeah, um and so for us we we thought okay there's there's really strong linkage there and what we want for our customers is to feel that this part of themselves you know your sexuality is like a completely normal part of being a woman um and you shouldn't have to feel embarrassed about that and the experience of having to go and shop for any of those sorts of products, like it's just <laughs> yeah. Clarence counter circa nineteen ninety nine. Oh no, it's worse. It's worse <laughs> because not you know. There's, I mean, yeah, you <laughs> you walk <laughs> into those stores <laughs> and it's just. I mean, half the products there are you know are actually quite degrading, and you know we we wanted it to be tasteful mm. and luxe and also safe and a way that you can explore this part of yourself without having to feel self-conscious in any way and this is not about what men think is hot at all this is by women for women this is just for you and whatever you feel comfortable with this is a safe place where you can explore that I love that. Yeah. One of my favourite quotes ever is that people will never remember what you said 
or what you did, they will always remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And I think it's a lot harder to do that as a brand when your brand is an on-seller of other brands. Yeah. But you have managed to make a door a feeling. Yeah. Even without having a door labelled products. And that's yeah. extraordinary. Look, I, if we can if we can achieve that even more going forward, I mean, if we can help women feel mm. more comfortable in themselves and confident in themselves, then I feel like we're I feel like that's winning. And I think that's exactly what you do, which is so wonderful because it is so much harder when you're not, you know, you don't own all of the the presentation, the labeling, everything, but you've still made it an end-to-end experience. And I love it. Oh, that's so. good. Yeah. <laughs> So on the flip side, that Mm. is all so, so exciting. But I know that behind the scenes, there's also an enormous amount of challenge and struggle that goes on behind that. And one of the main ones, it's called NATA, this section, which is all the things that basically say nay to your joy. Yeah. Even with you, you know, your, your reaction to launching something that does make so much sense and is so, you know, tasteful and well thought out that you doubt your decisions. Yeah. Has self-doubt been a big thing for you in the journey, particularly when you were young, when you were new, when the industry was new, but even now I kind of feel like people think you get to a point where you shed it completely and I don't yeah. think that ever happens. No, I think the thing I've just actually come to accept is that, oh, no, everybody feels like that and also it doesn't go away. And it's, it's not just, meant to, right? And it's not meant to and it's probably, you know, I've, I've generally – learned that when you get that feeling you kind of have to lean into it because that's your opportunity for growth Mm. Um, because if you're not feeling a bit frightened then you're probably not pushing yourself very far out of your comfort zone so for me if I'm not getting those moments then I start to actually feel a bit antsy yeah you're like I'm comfortable (laughs) I'm bored (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's that's I guess the way that I've dealt with it is to get more comfortable with discomfort I guess I like to say I've become a discomfort junkie yeah yeah I think that's it out yeah 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 and look that's why entrepreneurs don't need to like jump out of planes and whatnot right yeah yeah we'd like oh we get enough of that all the time (laughs) (laughs) on the flip side then because you're always seeking new challenge and learning opportunities in an industry that is so fast moving and changing all the time like you can never just settle and go yeah ah yeah how do you manage the never-ending to-do list. Like for 20 years, it's not stopped. In fact, it's probably just gotten longer and more expansive. Yeah. What's burnout been like and pacing yourself and getting breaks? Yeah. Um, look, I'm not excellent at relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's a surprise. Yeah, I find that on holidays, for instance, like it takes me kind of a good four or five days to really get into it. And so if you're only going away for a week, you probably get like... <laughs> two to three days there's a small window I bet I find it easier to do smaller moments so like going to the movies by myself Mm. or um last weekend a girlfriend and I we had a a staycation so we took Friday off and we went and had you know day spas and lounged about and had mimosas and (laughs) went shopping and went out for dinner and that was that like that was just lovely and so I find those moments are easier for me to get because it's like okay I can put a day aside like that's easier putting a week aside is actually harder yeah look I don't know I guess I guess it's a marathon not a sprint isn't it and so Mm. I do recognize that you've got to look after your own mental health and this is something I talk to the people I mentor a lot is that you can't 
you just can't keep pushing yourself. And there's, there's this whole kind of like hustle culture where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I barely sleep and I've worked out how to survive on four hours sleep. I'm like, man, you just you can't keep that up. You really can't. Yeah. You'll, you just... You'll you're combust. <laughs> you'll combust. And yeah. also you're not doing your job properly yeah. as a leader because if you're delegating properly and empowering your team, then, then you shouldn't have to work 80-hour weeks. Yeah. Um, if you're working 80-hour weeks, you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> oh, no. Well, look, if, <laughs> no. You're doing it, if you're doing it for more than, you know, like for more than, a, for more than a month or something, yeah. then it's, it's yeah, you've got you've to look at that because yeah. it's, it's not sustainable. You can't keep it up. And adding children, has there been mum guilt or just a whole new level of trying to balance all, you know, juggle all the things? I feel like mums are under this extra layer of pressure in society to just balance everything. Oh, yeah. Which is I like just, actually kind of a dreaded oh, word, I think, really for most women. the whole work-life balance <laughs> yeah. discussion. You're not the first person oh, who said that. No way. Look, I think mum guilt is a thing that can certainly come on you if you – let it. Yeah. I refuse. <laughs> I refuse mum guilt. I'm not doing it. But it's it's difficult because it does sneak in there sometimes and people do say things like, mm. oh, that must be so difficult for you to, you know, oh, where are your girls? And just, oh. and so I guess the the thing that I try and use to combat that is would you be saying this to me if I were a man and usually the answer is no and so then I ignore it and I just I just don't take any of that on Um, what I have found is that I mean because it's important to me to spend time with my kids or that they feel like I spend time with them I mean yes I I work full-time but you know plenty of people do but yeah I don't think that means that you you know that you're there for a bad parent um definitely not (laughs) but what it has meant is that I've had to make sort of other aspects of my life smaller because there's just only so many hours in the day right um I'm learning (laughs) I think I've heard that concept before it's a thing somewhere it's a thing um so I so I I work and at the moment I I do actually have two businesses so I have my foundation business as well which is the software (gasps) business so it's a whole extra thing so that's that's a thing that I'm I'm doing a bad job of delegating at the moment but I'm going to sort that out anyway it's on my list <laughs> on the list it's my performance plan for the year is get that sorted so I'm going to get that sorted um, but there's time for there's time for work there's time for the family um, there's not really time for a busy social life yeah so I have close friends that I make time for um, am I you know hosting dinner parties every week no. You know, <laughs> not just, even interested. <laughs> just don't have time for any of that, and that's not how I want to spend things. Um, I mean, we've also too, like, um, you know, my eldest does piano and swimming. She does those those during the week because I don't want to spend our Saturdays running around from activity to activity. I get that a lot of people do that and I, that's you know if that's what works for your family then that's totally cool for me I want our weekends to be just kind of hanging out together yeah. because that's my relaxed time so I kind of defend that space quite vehemently it's like no I, I, like I get really cross when it's like oh god we've got like three different birthday parties that we have to shut all the kids between like I really I you know Those I like assholes having birthdays honestly having birthdays <laughs> just stop it stop celebrating every year you had a birthday last year <laughs> um yeah so I guess that's that's the way I do things it's mm. just you have to kind of go all right what are the things that are really important or that I want to spend my time doing and yeah. and 
it's just there's only so much time. Right, absolutely. Mm. And in the meantime, I forgot to ask about the foundation business. Do tell us about how you've squeezed a whole other business into the picture. Well, we it's sort of by accident. Cool idea. It was actually by accident. It was more just just sort of trying to solve a problem that Adore Beauty was having about trying to help customers choose foundation online like the foundation category was a really difficult category for us because it was pretty you pretty much only do repurchase like yeah. you could get people to buy a mascara sight unseen but you know with the foundation unless you'd purchased it before how are you supposed to know what your color was and it didn't matter yeah. what we did with the swatches like it just couldn't actually make that any better and so we thought what there really ought to be is like they're this sort of global database of like matching. Pantone kind of vibe. Well, of matching <laughs> foundation shades, like what matches yeah. across the different brands. Why isn't there that? And there wasn't one. And um, my That's brother's actually – My brother's a software de- developer, so he writes banking software mostly. Um, <laughs> what a change of pace. <laughs> you know, had some spare time. Um, and I said, hey, you know, what do you what do you think? Like we could, you know, could you – how could we make this work? Could we build it? And we, we kind of nutted out how we were, we were going to do it and then built it and then it became – it was incredibly popular with um, consumers from the get-go but made pretty much no revenue for maybe five years. Has it been around for five years? Oh, it's been around since 2012. No way! Yep, yep. 2012. So I have a habit of starting businesses too soon, <laughs> as I've discovered. Um Getting there early, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, well, we know that you're forward thinking. I right. mean, that's a great thing. Clearly. <laughs> like just decades sure, further. Sure, just <laughs> maybe a little too far. Um, so that just well, it was just kind of a side hustle. Yeah. And then we started getting some clients and then it just got busier and busier and now it's it's getting quite busy. So um, Amazing. Yeah. I feel like you need to allow kind of a five to seven year lead time on your ideas. Okay. Like just time. Right. Just I let them simmer. Now. Yeah. <laughs> mm, anyway. Oh, that's amazing. So just before we move to the last section, which I know is actually going to be a challenge to find something that's outside of your busy brain, uh, that's productive. And the last question in the NATA section is really just about comparison and the idea of needing to look to others for inspiration but kind of cutting that off when it gets to, you know, social comparison in a way that makes you feel crap or that makes you feel like you can't rest because your competitors are going to do this, you know, X, Y and Z. Yeah. How have you gone from being pretty much the first beauty e-commerce site with no competitors to now Mm. a landscape where it's a thriving industry, which is a good thing overall, but... How do you switch off then when, you you know, are you comparing, do you suffer from social comparison? Do you find it hard to oh, just... I think everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think if you spend any time at all on social media, then it's it's pretty hard not to. I remember at one point last year, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd noticed the way that I felt after, you know, scrolling Instagram for 20 minutes and I just went, oh, I thought, you know what? I'm going to unfollow anybody here who's like got really flat abs because that's just not doing anything <laughs> for me at all. <laughs> you know what? I felt so much better. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think you really have to be in that space where you can kind of – because it's really easy to subconsciously take all that stuff in. Totally, yeah. Um, and I think the thing is to be really mindful when you're doing it and when you're participating in those kind of platforms because I think otherwise yeah it kind of does soak into your brain a little bit before you before you realize Mm. um and look the other thing is too is is I you know have the software that kind of monitors okay well how long are you spending how long are you actually spending on here and do you think maybe you'd just rather go read a book yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> what would you feel better doing? And it's like, oh, actually, I'd rather, you know, go watch Survivor with my eight-year-old or go read a book. <laughs> and so that's what I try and spend more of my time doing, to be honest. But, oh, I mean, amazing. there's always going to be someone that is hotter than you or smarter than you or more successful than you and there just there just is. And I think if you let yourself get sucked into that too much, then, yeah, that's it's not going to lead to yeah. anywhere. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not a productive use of your it's energy. It's not a productive use of your energy. You kind of want to go, hey, well, well done them. Isn't that tremendous? Yeah. I'm going to go read a book now. Yeah. I'll go play with my kids that's because, you know, because you. your kids think you're the best thing ever. Oh, so it's great. Beautiful. You know? Well, you kind of almost answered the next question. The whole next section is called Play TA, which is I think the bit that gets skated over the most in any mm. kind of interview and content. We don't remember that we're human beings, not human doings, and tend yeah. to validate or, you know, measure our whole worth based on our output right. and our success and our metrics and our jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you're a better worker and a better entrepreneur or a better business person or a better mom or a better whatever when you do have some kind of pursuit or activity or thing that you do that you do because it's fun. Yeah. Because it's for your joy. It doesn't necessarily have to teach you anything. Right. You can't necessarily win at it, I'm learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So what are the things that you do when you're playing? Play things. Um... Admittedly, there's not much time, but even the small things. But the small things. um, Really like to go out for dumplings with the family every weekend. So that's kind of Chinese food every every Sunday. Um, That's great. That's a really nice little tradition that I really enjoy. Um, Like I said, I do I do like a bit of cheeky Survivor. Nice. Don't mind a bit of. Don't mind a bit, bit of reality, reality, bit of reality TV. I don't like the cooking shows, but I like I like the singing shows. Yep, good. Um, and I like Survivor. That's interesting. See, I love to find out what if people watch TV, what they watch. It's yeah, always, and what I kind also of books really do you read? like Gogglebox. No, I do. It should be stupid. Like it's it's the worst idea for a show ever. Like let's watch other people watching television. <laughs> I but I really like it. I was exactly the same. I was such a skeptic, and it was on in the background of something when I was like in a waiting room, and I was like oh, my God, it's like a car accident. I can't look away. Like, I intellectually know this is rubbish, but I love it. (laughs) Oh, it's great. And you kind of get to know all the people who are on it and they're all just... They're all just nice. I know. And they have the best reactions. I'm That's like, it. I love this, yeah. even though it's so weird. Yeah, it is weird. What about books? What You mentioned you read books. Like what – are you a crime person? Are you romance? Um, oh, look, I'll read just about anything actually. But, um, I mean, fiction, fiction mostly. Uh, most recent one I finished – um, was called Sweet Sorrow by David. Mm, no, I can't remember his That's name. That's an interesting last name. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, I didn't write this down. That's such a dad joke. Uh, I also read uh, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine, which oh. I also really liked. Um, I'm waiting for the new Hilary Mantel um, Wolf Hall, like the third one in the in the trilogy to come out, which is all about the Tudors, Henry VIII. That's so intellectual. I feel like your nerdy side comes back out. I'm a bit of a nerd. I did <laughs> warn you. It's still there. I did warn you. Yeah, it's still there. Um, and I do – I mean, I like business books too, so I'm also reading another one about venture capital at the moment um, mm. by Jason Calacanis. See, um, I've had to ban those in my play TA category because I tick too much when I read them. Like, they're not relaxing. They're not relaxing. No, I don't read those for relaxation, yeah. but I do, I, do like to, I do like to read. Yeah. Um, I've also just started Grish. 
I haven't heard of Grish. Um, I forget the woman's name. Um, but she's the one that's done all of these studies into, you know, what actually makes people successful. It's not actually how smart they are. Ooh. It's their passion and perseverance. And she says that that's a thing that can actually be developed and taught. I love that. Yeah. Wow. So I'm considering, like I'm considering that a parenting book, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what can I instill in my children? That's it. And then what about your beauty routine? What, in terms of your favourite products, but also just in terms of rituals or things that you do, hours of sleep, whatever it may be. Sure. When do you feel most beautiful? Um, oh, look, I have, to, I have to do my skin routine. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's all about skin. Um, for makeup, it's I usually glowing, actually... by the way, everyone, even you. though you can't see it right now. Um, I actually wear just about the same makeup every day. I'm pretty standard mm-hmm. in that. Um, but, yes, yeah, skin routine. So um, I use like four different SkinCeuticals serums in the morning. So I lay a <laughs> CE quadri- serum. Yeah, I do. I love I love a multi-serum. People are like, you're insane. <laughs> yes, but I love it. Um, SkinCeuticals, C Ferulic, Retexturing Activator, um, HA Intensifier, and then the Hydra, Hydra B5, Hydrating B5 Gel. Um, and then sunscreen, always sunscreen. Same. So yeah. from my perspective, you don't have to do anything like for your beauty routine, but you do have to wear sunscreen. Like yeah. that's the only thing that Adore Beauty is, you know, very yeah. serious about. It's like with everything anything. else, with everything else, do what makes you happy, right? Like if you want to use micellar water as a cleanser, okay, sure, go for it. <laughs> but you have to wear sunscreen. Is that a trigger for you? You have to wear sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm a, I'm, have a big thing about, about micellar sunscreen. water as cleanser. As micellar water as cleanser. Oh, no, I do that too sometimes. Like, if, you know, you get home late and you're just like, oh, I just need to take my makeup off, yeah. then sure, <laughs> why not? Are you like a base person, a mascara person? Like some people can't, like they don't feel themselves without something. Um, I need a bit of mascara and a bit of blush. Oh. Yeah, yeah. What about hours of sleep, water? I really need at least seven hours mm. and I aim for eight, but, you know, it kind of depends. Like if you've got sick kids or something and you're getting woken up in the night, well, you take what you can get, but um, eight preferably. No, that's a good I'm, number. I'm bad at drinking water. So. That's so interesting. Yeah, I just I feel I just like forget. that's a beauty 101. Yeah. People are always like, stay hydrated. Your cells need water. Skin yeah. needs water. I don't know. I drink and coffee. <laughs> and you've got four serums. So. <laughs> and four serums. That's right. I'm just, I'm hydrating from the outside. Yeah. It's fine. My skin's an organ. Like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just to finish up, second last question is, what are the three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation? I had to think about these because I feel like <laughs> I've talked about everything. That's why it's my favourite question. Oh, I am terrified of spiders. Ooh, arachnophobic level, like proper phobia? I would squeal. Wow. So one time I was driving my car down Hoddle Street and all of a sudden this like huntsman sort of crawled out Ooh. on the windscreen and I had to pull over into like I screamed and I thought, no, don't have an accident and I had to pull <laughs> over into a petrol station and like jumped out of my car and was just hopping outside of my car like squealing and people looking at me like I was deranged. I'm like, well, I can't go back in my car now. Oh, of course you I can't. Just, I'm you just have to burn gonna it. I have to burn it and leave it behind. <laughs> Did you get a stranger to like get it for you? Well, no, I never found it. <gasps> that was even worse. How did you get back in? It's <laughs> just like, well, how am I going to get home? <laughs> oh, my mum couldn't have gotten back in. Like she literally would have been like, come and get me. Yeah. I Look, I had big problems. <laughs> I had big problems. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, I am good at baking. 
Uh, my specialty is kind of nana baking, so like what? sponge cakes and oh. pavlova and lamingtons. Like church bake sale vibes. Church bake sale kind of baking is my style of baking. Yum. It's not really on brand when you're kind of a raging feminist, so I don't really talk about it very much. But, <laughs> but it's a secret skill. <laughs> but it is my secret skill. I will whip it out when needed. Occasionally. <laughs> Occasionally. Again, not a lot of time for it these days, but um, I love can. that, though. That's, it's actually a skill because it's very hard. That kind I of don't baking. find it that hard. I actually find it really relaxing. Ooh. Trouble is, is now when I do it, the kids want to help and then that's not relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a solo activity. <laughs> um, and also I am an Adelaide Crows fan. No way. Yeah. Which Wait, is, but you grew up here. I know. Everybody said And no, in Tassie. Well, yeah, I know. Neither it's a long are Adelaide. Story. Yeah, I know. I'm confused. <laughs> Everybody's Explained. confused. Well, that's not it's not a it's a long story and it's not even a good one. Um it's only <laughs> that, you know, uh, Tasmania never had a team, so they never had like when I was, you know, picking a team, we didn't have one, so it was like you could be a West Coast fan in oh, Tasmania and that was perfectly okay. Okay. You just, you know, pick a team. And I was watching them Well, <laughs> they had Tony Modra okay. at the time. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, that is that's a pretty great story. Well, look, you know, and I've, I've stuck with them through. I know, loyalty. I like it. 27 years. Have you been to Adelaide? I have. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And the very last question, since I love quotes so much, what's your favourite quote? Um... Look, I actually, I actually really hate motivational quotes. Like oh, my God. Do you, remember that? Do you remember that shot that they used to have and it was called like Successories and it had all of those pictures of like, you know, like a droplet <gasps> of water <laughs> and something, you know, like and then it disappeared, which and is then a like, good thing. Like lions and tigers. Right. And then in the same font with that black background. Yes. But people still have them in their offices. It's so weird. I hate them. Um, but no, so the, the – look. Serious quote would have to be the whole, the you know, the man in the arena quote that Brene Brown always goes on about, you know, mm. it's, it's not the critic who counts. It's, you know, it's the person actually in the arena who's, you know, getting covered with, you know, blood and dirt and but then if they fail, well, they at least, you know, failed while daring greatly. Yeah. So I like <laughs> that one. But probably the one that I actually use more often is um, from Finding Nemo. <gasps> I love Finding Nemo. And it's Dory just going, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Because sometimes I think about that, like when I, I look at what my calendar is for that day and I think, oh, God, how am I actually going to get through today? And I think, just keep swimming. Because <laughs> sometimes that's it, right? Sometimes that's I think entrepreneurship is just you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Mm. And eventually you'll you'll get through today and you'll get through the week and that's how it's that's how it works. Absolutely. That if that that's the most down to earth thing about you that, <laughs> that your coping strategy is Dory. Is Dory. There you go. There it is. We found it. <laughs> oh well. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Congratulations on twenty years of business. Oh, thank you. And for thank you so much for being such an inspiration since the very beginning or even before that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, legend. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed another hour of Yay. I absolutely love bringing this show to you all, but even more so now that we all need as many reasons to smile as possible. It's definitely strange and I hate to say it, unprecedented times, but I truly believe it's a beautiful chance for us all to reevaluate the way we do things and come back bigger and better than ever. 
It's like the world sent us to our room to think about what we've done. The meme community is really stepping up, so I borrowed that one and it's so great. If there's anything I can do to continue bringing you joy in any way, please do let me know. If you haven't seen yet, Nick and Paul, our golden retriever, have been doing a little photo recreation challenge, which has been pretty fun. The first submission was one of mine, which was of the famous scene from The Notebook, where I hosed them both down to make sure that they were wet. Check out at Nicky Boy to see the final result. I believe the ET on a bike scene is coming soon. (laughs) And we will keep thinking of ways to get a chuckle out of you. If you haven't joined the Facebook group, please do too for extra fun and games. The link is in the show notes. Hope you're having a great day and are seizing your yay.